Hey guys, welcome back. This is part two for this week, the AFC North preview. If you haven't already, make sure to check out the AFC East preview, which is in your feed at the same time. Uh, and in that show, I explained the schedule for the podcast over the next few weeks. So make sure to go check that out. And uh, in this show, I'll be giving my bold take, like I said. And then I'll be discussing the AFC North for fantasy football in 2021. I do apologize once again for the late release of both of these episodes. So thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with you as always, and I'm trying out new ways to introduce the show. Uh, if you check out the, I kind of just like, I know I only changed it slightly. I'm trying to like, see if I can get off of the old way of doing it. Because while I like that, I'm just testing out. I like testing out if there are better ways to introduce the show, but I'm so used to this way. And I, I like the way I introduce it now, but I'm just trying to think, try to switch it up and get some more variety, especially since most of these shows have been solo as of late. That will change on Monday. We've got AFC South and AFC West previews um, coming out. On Monday and on the AFC West preview, I'll have an awesome guest on that show. One that you've never heard on the podcast before. So go check it out. It's going to be really, really exciting. And I apologize for the late release of both of these episodes, but I'm back recording this one about five minutes after I recorded the previous one. I'm in a good mood and ready to get started with the show. So we're going to talk AFC North. If you want to hear about the news that we I missed while sort of the mini absence from the podcast, go check out the AFC East preview. Again, that one was recorded before this. Got AFC North on the show and got a bold take first. And we're going to start with the bold take. Marvin Jones will lead Jacksonville Jaguars receivers in fantasy points next year. And this might not seem like a bold take to many of you, but Marvin Jones is a player who's just been drastically, drastically overlooked in fantasy rankings. Jones is fantasy pros is wide receiver 46, third out of the Jacksonville receivers, DJ Chark sitting at wide receiver 36, LaVisca Chenault sitting at wide receiver 41, are both higher. And what I found uh, seeing people via Twitter and just getting the general consensus, and I'm, obviously this is sort of more of a feeling, is that people seem to be just not thinking about the impact that Marvin Jones is likely to have. And when they think about it, it's like, oh, Marvin Jones is kind of undervalued. That seems to be the feeling. And when you think that about a guy, when a lot of people think that about a guy, he tends to be a guy who actually is undervalued, and I believe he is, and here's why. I'll actually state a case more than just gut feelings. Obviously, Urban Meyer coming in, new coaching staff for Jacksonville. This is the one receiver out of this group that Urban Meyer himself went out and got. These other two guys came from an old coaching staff. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but the guy Urban Meyer wanted is Marvin Jones, and Jones was actually really, really good last year as well. When Kenny Galladay was out, Marvin Jones was not just some sort of scrub. He was an actual really, really good fantasy option, and he proved he can be the wide receiver one in an offense. Marvin Jones is an outside receiver, of course. He uh, is a good player, gets a lot of catches, has been consistently underrated throughout his career, and has consistently had receptions throughout the year. Weeks 12 through 16 last year, Marvin Jones was the fantasy football wide receiver 18. So he did it last year. Marvin Jones did it last year. And I think the um, that wasn't even the best sample size to look at. If I expand the sample size to basically he had, there was a bye week and then he came off the bye week and had a lot of, had five targets, but only caught a couple of them. So let's check 
after week seven. Week seven, when he really got it going through 17. This is a big sample size for Marvin Jones, and he was the fantasy football wide receiver five. I, even I'm shocked looking at that. I had seen it before, just shocked looking at that. Marvin Jones from week seven through 17. Just think about that. The fantasy football wide receiver five. Yes, he had 30 fantasy points in a meaningless game against Minnesota. But even so, this guy was good. Now he's brought in. They're paying him what? Like, uh, I, I don't exactly remember the exact figures. It was two years. I know it wasn't a ton of money, but it was, as I'm searching it up, $14.5 million. So, yeah, $7.25 million a year. Not a ton, but Urban Meyer wanted his guy. Now Marvin Jones comes in and what I think is a bargain he will be the wide receiver one in this offense. He's the veteran presence here. DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault are both young. It doesn't matter about being in this system last year because there's a new quarterback and a new coaching staff and a new way of doing things. And Marvin Jones is the best wide receiver in this wide receiving group. So I see no reason why Trevor Lawrence won't lean on the veteran in uh, week one. Marvin Jones is sitting just outside of my top 36 receivers at wide receiver 37. Um, he belongs he's a fine wide receiver three for you to have he's in that tier of a guy like Robbie Anderson or a guy like I mean DJ Chark he's sort of in that tier but I think Marvin Jones is gonna be the best of the bunch he's the guy that Urban Meyer got he's done it he's been undervalued consistently year after year in fantasy drafts and um yeah this is the year where Marvin Jones and Trevor Lawrence connection is coming so he will lead the Jaguars receivers in fantasy points AFC North preview let's talk Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns, and Pittsburgh Steelers. Going to start with the Baltimore Ravens. And first question here, will Lamar be great again? After his quarterback one season two years ago, he finished his quarterback 10 last year. And over the second half, around the second half of the season, he was the QB2. Whenever he started playing good matchups and sort of got it going, it was about the second half of the season. So Lamar is now my quarterback four. Obviously, we know he has the upside to run for 1,000 yards. We know Lamar is still a good passer. Uh, and that's why, I mean, his rushing upside is why I have him ahead of a guy like Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert. He really, I think, belongs pretty close to Kyler Murray. I would still take Kyler Murray over Lamar. But Lamar can definitely have a bounce back. He's done it before. He has the ceiling. His touchdowns regressed a lot last year. But now he adds a first-round wide receiver in Rashad Bateman, who um, may miss a couple games but he due to that injury. But... Even so, once he comes back, Rashad Bateman's super talented. Adding Sammy Watkins helps, and he's still got Mark Andrews and Hollywood to throw to. So Lamar can be very, very good. I just don't take quarterbacks that early, but in the sixth round, I don't hate it. Again, it's not how I would build a team, but in the, if Lamar is in the sixth round and still available, sure, you can definitely get an advantage out of having Lamar on your fantasy team. Uh, next question here. Uh, what to do with the Baltimore running backs? Talked about it a little bit on the previous episode, but J.K. Dobbins is my fantasy RB16. He's going to get a limited amount of receptions, and that's just the fact because Lamar Jackson doesn't throw to the running back. Gus Edwards will get a lot of carries as well. Lamar and Gus Edwards can get red zone carries, capping J.K. Dobbins' upside. I have him currently as my RB16 and may even move him down from there because I just don't see the upside. Second-year player, very talented, very efficient for sure, but he doesn't have top 12 potential in my eyes. Last question here. Who will emerge if anyone from this wide receiver group? I don't really think it's anyone. I think it's Mark Andrews and then the rest. If you're having to pick one, it's Rashad Bateman because I think he's the most talented out of the group. Uh, and he's the guy that Lamar can rely on and he's the guy that can get open. So Rashad Bateman is my wide receiver 50. I don't mind taking a shot on him later on. But I wouldn't count on Rashad Bateman emerging in year one. Although it is possible. I've slightly, very slightly risen on Rashad Bateman as we go into the summer.
Let's talk Cincinnati Bengals. What is Joe Burrow's upside next year? I think it's as a top 10 fantasy quarterback. He's currently my quarterback 11. There's a lot of guys I really like ahead of him. There's a deep quarterback class this year. You can go check out my rankings with the link in the description of the podcast. That's just the website link. So go check that out and go click and um, go, yeah, go find my rankings. But yeah, Joe Burrow was my quarterback 11. He has a lot of weapons with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon all to throw to. Good arm, good talented quarterback, and he was playing as a borderline top 12 guy last year once he got started. And um, yeah, he was able to get good production for T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Both of them were solid wide receiver twos last year before he got hurt. So yeah, I would I think Joe Burrow has solid upside. And I'm not too worried about the injury. Improved offensive line for sure, but it's not like Joe Burrow was an insane running quarterback, so I'm not too worried about like, uh, oh, this might hurt his mobility because he tore his ACL last year. Um, so he's the quarterback 13 on fantasy pros, good, solid late round quarterback target. Next question here. What is Jamar Chase's upside? This goes with the question and it's high. It is real high. It is top 12 wide receiver high. These two guys, obviously, as we know, played at LSU, Jamar Chase sat out all of the 2020 season, um, and to get ready for the draft. And he's had struggles with drops in the preseason for sure, but let's not end. He's had struggles two main things, drops and getting separation. The drops will be fixed. Those are jitters. Those are things that haven't really uh, affected him in the past. He's always had strong hands, and he hasn't played football in a year. So what would you expect? The separation, that's never been his game. Jamar Chase has been a dominator. He has not been a get-open-on-route-running kind of guy, although he can run solid routes, especially deep routes. Uh, Jamar Chase is still an incredibly talented receiver. He's still the guy that went number five overall over a generational talent on the offensive line. He's my wide receiver 16, screaming hot value in drafts right now. Could be a top 12 guy for sure. I see Jamar Chase as more of like slightly riskier version of CeeDee Lamb. And especially late in the year, he can be great. But I think he might be one of the few wide receivers who connects with Joe Burrow right away. Before you discount Jamar Chase because of random preseason reports and things that happened in a random preseason game. Last year at this time, Justin Jefferson was taking second team reps behind Ola B.C. Johnson. Justin Jefferson finished as the fantasy wide receiver four despite barely playing the first two weeks. Jamar Chase can still be great. Do not fade Jamar Chase. If someone in your dynasty league is fading on him because, oh, no, the drops, oh, no, he doesn't look good, go get Jamar Chase. I'm telling you, his dynasty value is sky high, but watch the, buy the dip if you can. Last Cincinnati Bengals question. What about the other pass catchers in Joe Mixon? Let's start with Joe Mixon. He will have an opportunity, as he always has, to be a workhorse this year. Probably more receptions than usual because Giovanni Bernard is gone. And the team before Joe Mixon got hurt last year started to get him involved a lot more in the passing game. So Joe Mixon is actually my RB11. He sits ahead of Najee Harris because I think he's going to be more efficient behind a slightly improved offensive line and get uh, more receptions potentially. Or maybe and just has more. While they both have guaranteed touches, I think Mixon could get more touches and in a better offense uh, or not a better offense. I guess their offenses are very similar, but I do think that Joe Mixon can be a little bit more explosive because Najee Harris is behind a worse offensive line. He's behind Antonio Gibson because I think Gibson is a better pass catcher and Gibson can be equally as explosive behind a better offensive line and with a good supporting cast. So Joe Mixon is my RB11. Let's talk other pass catchers. T Higgins, his upside is going to be limited late in the year, but he can still be a wide receiver too for you. Don't get me wrong. Wide receiver 21 in my current rankings, which I think makes him a little bit of a value compared to 
what uh, Fantasy Pros has him as wide receiver 23, so not much, but I had to be happy to getting T. Higgins as his ADP. Tyler Boyd is my wide receiver 41, and this is not because I think Tyler Boyd is going to finish at the wide receiver 41. I love Tyler Boyd as a talent. But with these two guys there, with Joe Mixon there, um, and with the pass, I mean, I know it's a pass-heavy offense, but even so, Tyler Boyd just doesn't have that much week-to-week upside. He can give you some startable weeks, but in the late-round wide receivers, you're looking for upside. Let's look at last year. Tim Patrick was a guy who could consistently give you solid performances off the waiver wire. He was just sitting there. Plenty of other guys like um, Tim Patrick who gave you close to Tyler Boyd performances just right off the waiver wire. Take a chance on a guy like Elijah Moore over Tyler Boyd because Elijah Moore has the upside that Tyler Boyd doesn't. I love Tyler Boyd, the player, but a slot wide receiver three on a team is just not going to get it done. And um, so I'm not, I'm actually shocked to say it, but avoid Tyler Boyd. This seems like something I would say if I was being kidnapped, but I have him eight spots lower than fantasy pros does. Cleveland Browns, first question. Can Baker Mayfield be a viable fantasy QB? I would say depends on your definition, but yes. Baker Mayfield suffered through a lot of bad weather games last year. When he came, they came out of those. He was very good. OBJ comes back. Don't know if that necessarily helps or hurts Baker Mayfield's decision-making, but I have him as my, or my QB 16. He will be a great spot start against bad matchups. So that, it, when he has a bad matchup or when he has a good matchup for him, he can put up a lot of points. He proved that last year. Uh, where should you draft Nick Chubb? I currently have Nick Chubb definitely as a first-round pick. Barely ahead of Aaron Jones as my RB6. Because when Nick Chubb was healthy and had come back and played full game after the injury, he was outperforming Aaron Jones. Only slightly, but he was. It's tempting to take Aaron Jones because of the pass-catching work. Uh, but I feel like Aaron Jones will have a similar season to what he had last year. And same with Nick Chubb. So I will take Nick Chubb, but that one's tough for me, for sure. Um, how to navigate this wide receiver room. Odell Beckham is the top option there, but I've given up. It's tough to trust Odell Beckham. Um, this Baker Mayfield is going to spread the ball around. That's what he does best. That's what he needs to do for this offense to succeed. So at our wide receiver 25, I'm not taking OBJ. He's currently my wide receiver 30. Um, other guys in the wide receiver room, Jarvis Landry, Again, sort of like a Tyler Boyd situation. He can get some catches, but doesn't have a ton of upside. And with Rayshard Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones and Austin Hooper also competing for targets, he slides in as my wide receiver 47. So not a ton of upside there at all. Rayshard Higgins, not really worth a late-round flyer unless you're like really in a deep league. But yeah, that's pretty much my thoughts on the Browns. Pittsburgh Steelers, could Najee Harris be a top 12 running back? I actually have Najee Harris as RB12. He will get a lot of volume, maybe not be the most efficient guy, but he'll get receptions and he will get carries. This will be a more run heavy offense because Najee Harris can handle it. He's a great tackle breaker, great receiver, complete running back all around. He can be an RV one. What do we do with these wide receivers? The guy to draft in this wide receiver room, I would say is definitely Deontay Johnson, my current fantasy football wide receiver 20. If you're looking for other guys, I would say avoid them both because Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster will be fighting for receptions on the outside, even though Juju should be a slot receiver. Juju, as a possession short yardage receiver, could see his targets diminish when this offense goes more run first because Ben Roethlisberger has been very pass heavy, especially last year, but last few years in particular. And Juju getting all those catches near the line might not be as much of a guarantee. He's pretty good in PPR, but my wide receiver 49 and a half PPR. And then Chase Claypool is my wide receiver 43, extremely talented, but he's just going to be a little bit too inconsistent especially with the addition of Pat Fryermuth there. Eric Ebron's going to get the ball a little bit. Uh, and there's more run-heavy offense. I don't think that 
Um, Chase Claypool has a ton of upside. I mean, he does because of his talent, but it's unlikely to come to fruition for most of the year. It might be frustrating. Big Ben, uh, it's tough to draft him. I guess this transitions into the last question. Is Big Ben worth considering? I would say no. I think this is the year where Big Ben stops having like 650 attempts or whatever it was, and it goes down, and they rely on the running game a little more. And when he does throw, it'll be short passes because he gets the ball out quick. Big Ben is gonna, was already a little too inconsistent to trust for fantasy last year. So now, I mean, it's not, there's not really much point. There's so many other guys to stream that there's not a ton of point in getting him. It's unfortunate, but Big Ben's time for fantasy is just about wrapped up, in my opinion. That wraps up the episode. Speaking of wrapping things up, I know this was a short one for sure, uh, but go check out the other AFC East episode if you haven't checked it out already. Jam-packed with info. I like doing this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Go check out AFC South and AFC West previews on Monday. Got a great guest on the AFC West show. That's going to be the last show before the regular season, like week one preview. So I'm really excited to get someone on that I haven't had before. And uh, I think he's going to be a good guest. So go check out that show. I'm very, very excited for it. So thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.